Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, and welcome to NJS Bay's Blog Talk Radio Show, Conversations on New Jersey Education, a show dedicated to creating a conversation among those of us in the education community and beyond on the important education issues today, a conversation that brings some of the state leaders and educational leaders to you, and I hope you all feel free to join in on the conversation. My name is Ray Pinney, and I will be your host this morning. Today, we will not only be taking your calls, but we also have the chat room open, so if you want to ask a question there, you can. Uh, Christy Ty will be taking the calls this morning. Christy, can you please explain the process? I will be happy to. Good morning, Ray. Now, if you want to call in, just dial 1-347-989-8904. Now, when you're ready to make a comment or ask a question, just press 1, and that will indicate on my switchboard that you are ready to talk. I'll get your name and your question or topic, and also, if you're on the phone line, don't forget to turn down the volume on your computer and only listen on the phone, because there is a delay and it's a little confusing. Now, if you're just listening on your computer, we do have a chat room feature that you can log into. We'll be monitoring the chat room, and we'll pass on some of the comments or questions to our speaker. To log on to the chat room, you will need to register with Blog Talk Radio. Thank you, Christy. Now that Governor Christie has made it official and is not running for president, it appears education reform will be front and center in New Jersey. That means issues like tenure reform will be discussed often. But before we discuss issues like that, we have to discuss issues like teachers' evaluations. For us to change the way we compensate, and retain teachers, we need to probably change the way we evaluate teachers. It is the crux of how we develop good teachers. There's much debate about how we should evaluate teachers. One camp says it should be focused, a camp that uh, Governor Christie belongs to, on student growth and achievement. And another says that is a great theory, but that's what it is, a theory. We do not have enough reliable data to show the connection. That is not fair, nor is it reliable. Though the other camp would counter by saying, yes, but what we are doing right now is not as effective either. Be that as it may, the Department of Education is pushing ahead with looking at changing the way we evaluate teachers by studying some pilot districts to see if we can create a better way to evaluate teachers. Here to join us this morning is the superintendent from Bergenfield, one of those pilot districts, Dr. Michael Kushar. Welcome, Mike. Uh, Good morning. Uh, Thanks for joining us. Thank you, Ray. Um, Dr. Kushar, before we get started with our list, with our listeners uh, about the teacher evaluation. Please give us an overview of the district of uh, Bergenfield. Bergenfield is located in Bergen County, New Jersey. Uh, We have roughly uh, 3,800 students, five elementary schools, one middle school, one high school. Uh, We have almost 40% of our students uh, Title I on free and reduced lunch. And uh, uh, 80% of our students are in subgroups other than uh, white uh, in the subgroup categories. Okay, and how long have you been in the district as a superintendent? Uh, this is my seventh year as superintendent. Previous to that, I was high school principal here in Bergenfield as well as the district director of guidance. Okay, great. Uh, Mike, why did Bergenfield decide to become a pilot district? 
Well, the Board of Ed and I, we had a discussion uh, uh, late June, early July about whether we should apply for the pilot grant or not. And when we looked at the characteristics of the grant, many of the items uh, that the grant was looking for, we already have implemented. For instance, we had put in benchmark testing so that instead of waiting for the annual uh, New Jersey ASK or HESPER scores, we uh, created uh, benchmark testing where we used Renaissance Learning, NWEA, and we assessed the students uh, three times a year. And by doing this, we were able to make mid-year corrections uh, uh, and adjustments uh, to help student learning. Wow. Um, once you decided <coughs> excuse me, to do this, was there any pushback from any either the, the, the teaching staff, the union, or any other body about going into this? Um, the NJEA at first uh, had requested that n no, none of the unions uh, sign on with this. Um, the Bergenfield Union uh, over the years has not been adversarial. We've been, uh, we have a clear understanding of our roles and responsibilities. The union's uh, role is to protect its members. We as the Board of Ed and Management, we have the obligation to educate our children at the highest levels. And while this may appear to be opposing, it's really not, because the most decisive factor in student learning is the classroom teacher. So we approach this project with the philosophy of supporting the teachers, not condemning them. Um, our relationships, like any good relationships, are based on trust and honesty. And so we're approaching this grant as a way to be more efficient, a way of helping teachers, and a way of providing uh, professional development to our staff to increase student achievement. Um, before I get into some of the specifics, as you bring up some interesting things that you're already doing, um, some people are worried that in, with pilot districts um, that you're just being used for lack of a better term, and that the results are already in mind and uh, and that they already have an outcome that they want. How do you look at that? Do you feel you have the reign to really look at this honestly? And Well, to begin with, if that was the case, no one would be more disappointed than, than me. Um, I pride myself on, on being dis uh, very discerning and intuitive. Um, I was involved with a number of meetings with Acting Commissioner Cerf, uh long before this pilot program rolled out, and I became a supportive of his initiatives, and I believed in what he stands for, and I found him to be a champion for all children. Um, and then this pilot program, to me, was an outgrowth of how to help teachers be more effective. Um, we talk about Dr. Richard Elmore of Harvard University, who states that teaching is a profession without a practice. Um, and this is one way of giving our practice um, more guidelines, uh, more ways of sharing what is best practice, what works, what are more efficient ways of doing things, and what are better ways of helping our children learn. Now, the critics of moving in this direction, of evaluating teachers on student performance, say it, it's unfair to judge a teacher on test results, but it seems, uh, you said earlier that 
you already do student assessments, uh, I think you said three times a year, and that helps you make and four, Excuse me, Ray, four including the uh, state assessment. Correct. Okay. So, um, so you're already kind of doing that. Is that for all grades that you do that? Uh, grades 1 through 11, yes. Uh, not kindergarten, not uh, senior year. And what type of results do you get by looking at that? Well, we 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 get a lot of great results. Uh, we we might see what there there are gaps in our curriculum on on subject matters. Um, we another great instance is we may see great discrepancies within a, a fifth grade class, for example, not just in one building but district wide. And as we analyze the data and then and look at things, we we find out that you know elementary school teachers might have one class in mathematics in in college yet uh, you know in sixth seventh and eighth grade you have to be highly qualified in mathematics so then we see that there's gaps in our teacher preparation and so then we in-service our teachers on the content of mathematics to better prepare them we may find a teacher that is getting phenomenal results and we utilize that teacher to be a turnkey trainer with other teachers and do some job embedded coaching with other teachers. So we've found the use of the formative assessment so important and it goes also to our skills program and the way we've changed our skills program where it's not a yearly sentence where we wait annually to see but we can work on children on their skills that they need working on and we have our skills teacher pushing into classes working with all kids on their individual weaknesses to build them up not just a, a select few that uh, did poorly on uh, an assessment have you found that it really helps you in developing the teachers too and have they bought into this Teachers have been extremely supportive of it, uh, extremely. Uh, we've gone to a running records, balanced literacy, writer's workshop approach. Our teachers have been extremely enthusiastic. We're giving them tools to be more effective, and our student achievement has been soaring. So it's a win-win. It's a win for our teachers, and it's a win for our students. Um, what about the subject, you know, I, I hear one of the problems that we have is we have a lot of subjects that where there's no state standardized test. Now, I know you use your own uh, testing models, but what about the, the classes like art and music and phys ed and, and others of that ilk where there is no test that we know of standardized tests? How do you Oh Well, those I classes? think there's a... Ray, I think there's a difference between test and assessment. And in a lot of areas, um, an assessment doesn't have to be a handwritten test. It could be portfolios. It could be projects. Um, certainly, art uh, and looking uh, when a student applies to an uh, art college, they bring a portfolio of their work. Um, and, and the others, uh, physical education, I think that there is a great uh, example of how we can 
attack a couple of issues at once. We have issues of child obesity, yet we can certainly teach uh, children about heart rate, measuring heart rate, uh, working on getting kids to exercise at their maximum heart rates, and, and, and so forth. Things that we're doing, those things can be incorporated into authentic assessments. We're talking with Dr. Michael Kushar, uh, Superintendent Bergenfield School District, uh, one of the pilot school districts uh, for teacher evaluations. If you want to ask uh, Dr. Kushar a question, and the phone number is 1-347-989-8904, Mike, I'll give you an experience I had, and I don't know if you can deal with this. Uh, I've been, you know, I have two children, and I've been to many back-to-school nights. And my kids happen to have the same; it was the same teacher, uh, and they had to- totally different experiences. And when I even went to the back-to-school night, one night it's a different subject. I noticed that I couldn't believe it was the same teacher. She seemed like a much better teacher in this one class than the class, the subject that my daughter had. And is there a way that you? build that into your teacher evaluation because someone could be a great second grade teacher but eh, not as good in the fourth grade. Is that an issue that you have to deal with? I I think our our big issue, and if I'm hearing your question or comment correctly, our big issue is consistency in the delivery of instruction. And one one item that uh, initiative we've done is curriculum mapping. So all students are going to be exposed to the same uh, material, hopefully at the same time, and, and cover uh, the curriculum in line with the standards uh, uniformly. How a teacher teachers, certainly that that's up to their personality, up to their training, but, but one thing we all need is many tools and many different ways of teaching because the students have many different ways of learning. So part of our grant, part of what we've been doing, part of what all good schools are doing is differentiating the instruction to meet the needs of all students in that classroom. And in that class, not every student is at the same ability level. And so we have to differentiate uh, not just the learning style, but also where they are uh, developmentally as well. Um, you talked about uh, kids are not at all at the same learning level. Do you look at the growth of the students when currently? Uh, because as you say, if you go into a classroom, some of them they're at different levels, probably particularly in your district. So is that what you look at when you're evaluating the teacher to growth or just the overall? So the, the student growth is, is the most important thing, period. Uh, we're not looking at the state test as uh, the end all. I mean, the state test is looking at proficiency. Now, we're not teaching our kids to be mediocre. We're teaching our kids to be great. So in order to be great, we want advanced pro- proficiency and beyond. And to do that, kids come in at all different levels. So we have to take students from point A and bring them to point B. And so that student growth piece is the most important piece we're looking at. So while a student may not make uh, proficiency on the state assessment, that child might have made up two years of, of reading deficiencies in one year. To me, that's a celebration and, and a, a great growth that never gets measured by the state assessments. 
Um, now, you said much earlier on that you have that you do your own assessment. Uh, is that a cost that the board was willing to bear? Uh, and how long have you been doing that? We've been doing it for uh, four years, and we started with a few uh, grade levels. And as I mentioned uh, earlier, now it's in first grade through 11th. Uh, it is a cost to the board, and we feel it, it is money well spent because it gives us insight into each individual student. So we don't have to teach classes in general. We can individualize to the students and where we have a good and the teachers are empowered to have an understanding of where the students' strengths and weaknesses lie and then create the instruction around the uh, individual students of a class. Um, one of the issues that I hear with uh, testing students and is that we have a, in some districts student mobility is a problem. Is it fair to judge teachers on a student that they've just received uh, into your school district maybe midway through the year? Well, I, I, again, and I don't believe we're judging teachers, but what we're doing is, is we're measuring growth. So if we have a student that comes in from another state, well, the minute that uh, young man or woman walks through our door, that, that student is a Bergenfield student. And we give a baseline assessment so we have an uh, indication of wh where the uh, child is. We have the child's records. We make the placement. And then we monitor the growth. And, and many times we might have to catch up to get them up to speed. But it's by measuring the growth and having that baseline that we know where they're at, where we need to be, and then we create the plans to uh, achieve that success. Um. We're talking with Dr. Michael Kushar, Superintendent of Bergen Field School District. If you want to ask uh, Dr. Kushar a question, 1-347-989-8904, You seem, um, when we have this debate about teacher evaluation, it seems to be about the teachers, but it seems like your focus more is not as much on the teachers, though that's part of the process. You want to improve the teaching, but it seems to be more about the student. Am I hearing you? correctly that's what it's all about if 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 there are no uh, if there are no students there are no need for teachers we're in a business to educate children that's our business how do we go about it by teaching them and again the decisive element the classroom teacher so that classroom teacher needs to be equipped needs to be trained needs to have all the tools available to him or her so that they can be successful and 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 that's what we've been trying to do and that's what we're doing and um, we believe that's our core mission so the way you look at the is changing the way we look at teacher evaluation, it's really almost benefiting the teacher, giving them more tools or more strategies to deal with their students. Absolutely. Um, one of the things that came out of this pilot grant was uh, we've $95,000, we're buying a software uh, tied into Charlotte Danielson's model so we can identify areas of weakness of a teacher maybe in a particular area and then we can have that teacher access a website and get tools and strategies 
to overcome the identified weakness in their teaching area. I think that that is unbelievable technology, and I'm grateful that we have that opportunity to utilize it and and uh, we'll be uh, trained in that uh, next month. Uh, that gets us to what it entails being a pilot district, because your experience, I think, will you know give a lot to a roadmap for what the other districts are going through. How much was the the grant for when you uh, applied to be a pilot district? Uh, we're receiving. Uh, we just got final word. We're receiving just under a hundred thousand uh, dollars to be a, a pilot uh, district in the grant. And you're all. And from our earlier conversation, you already have a lot of the framework for what they the state was looking at. You used most of this grant to buy this new software. Is that my understanding then? Correct. And and that software is all about uh, giving teachers more tools, more support, more professional development, which is also uh, part of the grant that uh, the state will be providing professional uh, development uh, as well. Now, are you also – what have you had to do with this pilot? Have you had to have training sessions for your teachers or actually maybe for the administrators first or the, the evaluators first? That's that's how it's starting with uh, getting all our evaluators on board. And, again, we've had these initiatives in place. Last year, we signed up with the University of Washington on the 5D assessment. And what it is is they have a research-based program where you take a uh, you watch a video on a computer. Uh, the individual administrator evaluates that classroom teacher, and then the University of Washington assesses the ability of the observer on five dimensions of teaching and learning, and then with that score, then the administrator gets staff development on his or her weaknesses on how to be better evaluators. How do we have consistent evaluations of the the same classroom teacher. So we started that last year. Uh, we had training uh, at the end of September. That's going to be all part of this pilot program as well. And the follow-up is is that we will be doing instructional rounds uh, collaboratively, collectively, much like uh, medical doctors working and doing medical rounds, visiting patients, we will do ex instructional rounds. And what we look at is observable data that we could provide instant feedback to the teacher of observable data to help them, again, uh, be more effective with our students. Some of that sounds like not traditional, but it's, it's an observation. So it's a blend of not just looking at the student uh, performance or achievement at the data, but also looking at what how they're uh, bringing it to the classroom. So it's is it a kind of a combination of both? Well, I, there's three components to that uh, instructional round. It's what's the teacher doing and saying. What's the students doing and saying, and what's the evidence of learning? What are the artifacts of learning? So it, it, it's expanding the traditional uh, observation of watching a teacher to take a, a, a whole picture view 
of what's going on in the classroom. And many times teachers may not realize things that are going on or, or see. So, again, it's helpful having extra pairs of eyes of looking at this observable data. Uh, and I guess the, the other issue you brought up with that is if you're changing the way you evaluate teachers, you want consistency from your evaluators. So you don't want one principal or to give a certain rating to a teacher and a vice principal to give a totally different rating to the same teacher in an observation. Is that one of the issues that you're dealing with? It, it goes back to what you asked me, Ray, when you said uh, you could go to back-to-school night and one teacher seems tremendous, the other one seems uh, not as effective. How do we take out uh, personal uh, feelings, and how do we get to the objective truth? How do we get to effectiveness of instruction? And, and that's what this is really trying to, to get at, and, and having a consistency in our method of supporting the teachers, observing, evaluating, because we need to highlight what's going on, tap the good strengths of our teachers and get them to share with other teachers, and then we need to support the areas of their their weakness, their growth, so that they can be more effective and uh, raise students to optimal levels. Um, are you through this pilot program? Are you will you be officially or unofficially be observing or evaluating teachers more than you've done in the past, or is it that same for you? <clears throat> Yeah, it's it's for the teachers this year. It's not going to affect them at all. Um, the evaluations are not going to be part of the teachers' final evaluation. Um, certainly, we're hoping that the instructional rounds will uh, help us increase the amount of uh, feedback we give to our teachers. That's something we're hoping for. Our, our main focus is to really be better administrators, to be better. And when we talk about administrators, our goal, again, the, there would be no schools if there were no students. Uh, there'd be no need for teachers. And without teachers, there'd be no need for administrators. Our job is to support the teachers and, and have them. Principal means principal teacher. We need to have and support our teachers to the highest of levels. And I think that this is a process that is going to do that, and the people who are going to win are the children in the classrooms. Uh, you brought up an important point that um, this pilot program is not really going to affect the teachers this year. That uh, In terms of their normal evaluations and compensation, it, it will be as it, as it was the previous year. Um, but will you use this information maybe in an informal way to help the teacher? Absolutely. We're doing that now. We're going to continue to do it. Um, that's that's the beauty of the, the, the program of using data to, to help the teachers to identify gaps in learning uh, and then we're going to just continue to support the teacher uh, with our students. Um, the point I was trying to get across before, and I, I, I don't think I did it great, was I saw a te say it's a science teacher, and uh, th their certificate says they can teach science, 
but they're much better at chemistry or maybe honors chemistry than they are at AP. Do, have you seen that in your data when you evaluate teachers that they're much better at one subject or particularly the sciences or math that where that can occur? But I guess it could occur also in grade levels too. Well, I think what we see is is that we spend a lot more time on things we like and things we're comfortable with and less amount of time on things that we're not comfortable with and not uh, secure with. So, yes, uh, I've seen that over the years, uh, and, and I go back to that it's an issue that we need to remedy. I think that... Uh, you know, I identified, at least for us, many of our elementary school teachers do not have the strong math background in order to be teaching uh, some of the, the, the math uh, courses. Um, and, and also that works the same way with, with reading and literacy. So uh, I think teacher preparation is a big part of this. And at some point, uh, the conversation has to be uh, extended to uh, uh, higher education as well. Uh, if, uh, say, next year we have a new – the Department of Ed has a new way of evaluating teachers that all districts have to follow through, and it's similar to what Bergenfield is doing now – what would be the advice you would give a district? Because they may not have all the testing that you are already doing, but uh, what do they need to do with their teaching staff in the administration? Well, to simplify it, I'd, I'd use the line from uh, a Dragnet Sergeant Joe Friday, stick to the facts. Uh, you know, this is not about opinions. This is about student learning. And whatever evidence you can find of student learning, that's what we need to identify when we work with teachers. Not uh, who's the most compliant or who's the, the, the most enthusiastic. Who has the evidence of, of student learning? And that's what we need to focus on, and that's what it's about. Um, are, are students learning and, and learning just doesn't mean doing well on a test you know learning happens in our ball fields in our extracurricular in our bands um, uh, working in our newspapers so this is one aspect of a of a larger learning context um, as you uh, you mentioned earlier though uh, that when you start this program, it's not a gotcha with the teachers. It's more of a – you do it in a way that shows that you're supportive and it's built on trust and honesty. Is that something that is also mandatory that you have to include, that it can't be a uh, – I guess a going at them, you know, looked at, viewed as a punishment, but viewed more as a, a positive experience for both sides and the students? I have found in, in my experience – People respond well to a collegial coaching atmosphere rather than an adversarial, a negative, a hostile atmosphere. Um, we go into this profession to help children. Many of us may not have had all the right trainings or background to be as efficient as we can. It's our job as administrators to get all our teachers the tools they need. 
So um, I'm, I am convinced it's not a gotcha. I think that it is all about uh, empowering our staff and, and, and supporting them. Do people at times need the hammer? Absolutely. Do I have a hammer in my tool bag? Absolutely. But I don't use it nowhere near as much as uh, the support and, and encouragement because 99% of our people are well-meaning, caring, dedicated, working hard, and committed to children. Some just have some needs that we have to work with to help. And I feel strongly about that. Yeah, it seems obvious that you feel strongly about that. Um, has there been any um, any change that you've seen already with this pilot district in, in your district, uh, being a, a pilot district? Is there anything that has stood out already? I know it's early in the process. It's well, um, by by looking at data and and uh, look looking at our our student achievement levels. I'll give you some examples of uh, over the years of what's happened. Um, 2005, uh, six year, we had 63 kids drop out of high school. We look at that data. We meet as uh, faculty and staff. We come up with a plan. We start on an alternative school. Last year, we had only one student drop out of high school, uh, you know, out of a class of over 300. Uh, in uh, 2005, we had 70 students take an advanced placement test. Average score, 1.75. This past year, we had over 300 students take an AP test. Average score, 3.2. This year, I have over 500 students enrolled in an AP course. The numbers are improving. The students are improving. The, the rigor has increased, and the support for the teachers and the students is what's made it happen. And by letting teachers, parents be part of the leadership, by having a shared building leadership model, we've been using the Baldridge approach, every building has a leadership team. And a teacher and the principal co-chair it. Parents are involved, teachers are involved, and they create building goals in line with our district goals. So this expansive leadership has helped the uh, drastically the academic Im uh, improvement of our students drastically, and so this uh, benchmark testing was just one piece of the data we use to uh, drive instruction. Mike, that's very impressive. Uh, the numbers you gave. Does that those parent leadership, not parent leadership, the leadership team, which includes staff and parents and the principal, has that increased uh, community involvement in the schools too, in parent, parental involvement in their children's education? Definitely has. Um, one thing, Ray, you can always tell by is the school budget vote. We we had faced. Uh, Prior to 2005, uh, four defeated budgets in a row, a history of 
negative budget defeats. Uh, and in the past year, six years, we've passed every budget. So the, the town, the community, the parents have been extremely supportive in one of the worst economic times of our lives. So, uh, yes, it has increased parent and community involvement, and also the parents and community are very appreciative of what's going on here in the Bergenfield schools. Um, I was I was looking at how many times you evaluate people, uh, how many times you test and do assessments of some sort. It seems a little, not a little, it seems labor-intensive and but it seems like it's money well spent, as you said earlier. Would you move forward without doing any of those uh, those assessments? You need to have a lot of assessments to make this effective. Is that what I'm getting out of this? I think the assessments are a big piece of it, absolutely. Again, I don't want to wait an entire year to find out what corrections we need to make, what modifications and adjustments. I want to do it uh, quarterly. Uh, I want to do it, uh, you know, as soon as possible and so those those tests are, are are key and while it may appear that it's labor intensive and time intensive with technology today we can get a benchmark or test done with a class under 30 minutes and we can have the results pretty much immediate so it's not as labor intense as you think i think that uh they're not as well known as as uh, as people uh, move forward. I think we're going to be hearing more and more about these benchmark testings in in the next couple of years. So, if a district now, uh, from my experience, maybe a lot of the districts aren't doing as much testing, internal testing as you are. So that would be a cost to them if the state was to move forward in this area. So it might be something to if the state mandates such testing. They may not. Um, but that's something that districts probably should be looking at if they want to do this correctly. I, I think so. I, again, you know, we look at the outcomes of we're, we're educating children to survive and live independently in the 21st century. So, you know, less than 10% uh, of the jobs in America are unskilled. So you can't survive without training or an education. So therefore, we look at the, the end result of, of graduation from high school. These kids need education and training to survive. So we look at our SAT score. We're below the state average. So what, what do we need to do? We need to get them uh, to do better on the SAT. So now... We have our sophomores taking it, our juniors taking it, the PSAT, which we know the more exposure, the better you get at it, and we do that here in school, and we pay for it for everybody. So we define our priorities as a district, and then we put our money and resources to our priorities. Because while the colleges may not say SATs matter for, for uh, acceptance, they matter greatly. So we know that the better schools the kids get in, the better chances they have of uh, graduating from that school. Um, a lot of the ratings, most of the ratings of the colleges are how, how are the kids, how many of the freshmen come back, how many graduate within four years. 
those are the things we need to do for our students. Get them positioned for success in life. All right. Um, as you move forward this, uh, in May, the school board normally has to approve your recommendations for tenure. Is there, they won't see any difference this year, will they? Or will they, because you're not going to be using this tool at that board meeting, would, right? There, there, there is no evaluation tool that, that's out there. We're, we're, we're in a, a program right now of being better evaluators, uh, and and we'll be down the line uh, experiencing and and experimenting with uh, possible methods. But this year has nothing to do with the teachers. Their their tenure, their uh, uh, rehire, it's all going to be local control uh, as it was previous years. All right, um, coming towards the end, uh, when you gave the statistics from 2005, I assume, is that the year that you started as superintendent? Yes, 2005, so six year. So as you, the improvement you saw was incremental every year, is that what I got? So that by the end of five years, it or six years, it, you had significant change from where you were. Correct. By measuring data, by not by not living on perceptions, but by living on facts and reality. Um, and and part part of it is is raising the rigor and the expectations. And by by sharing our blemishes and putting it right out there. This is this is where we're at, uh, and, and are we happy with this? And if not, what can we do? So it, it is always been dealing with the facts of, of the district and, and always trying to improve, making it better for our children. Now, was there a – I mean, all school districts have turnover and – teaching staff. Was there any drastic turnover or was the teachers buying into the looking at the, this model and improving themselves? Or was it, it, any good revolution starts with a handful of committed people. And by having these building leadership teams and by empowering teachers, the people that did not get on the train when the train came back to the station the second time around, more people got on. And and in that train kept on circling and more and more people got on because it was here to stay and people saw the results. And when people see the results that it's working, it's hard to refute. So yes, there's part of human nature that people resist change, but it's also hard to resist a winning program, and 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 we have uh, we have a very supportive staff, very supportive, um, very committed, and I wouldn't trade this staff with anybody. They're terrific, um, but it did take time. Uh, yes, it wasn't an overnight success. Uh, though there was overnight, looks like there might have been overnight improvement. Um, right, and we're not we're not where we need to be. We're moving. And we're getting there, but we're far from where we want to be. All right. Do you have any final thoughts or a piece of advice for any of the districts that are moving in this area or teachers that they shouldn't be afraid of uh, this type of change? Uh, I, I, I would say be involved with your administrators. 
keep the dialogue open, uh, share your concerns, but more importantly, share your opinions, share your thoughts. You're, you're the experts. Help us help you uh, be the best you can be for our students. Thank you, uh, Michael. Uh, I'd like to thank our guest, Dr. Michael Kushar, superintendent from the Bergenfield School District in Bergen County, one of the pilot school districts for teacher evaluations. Thank you, Mike. Thank you, Ray. For those interested in this issue, Dr. Kushar uh, uh, will be one of our panelists at workshop on Wednesday uh, afternoon, uh, and he will be on the panel with, uh, among others, the executive director of NJEA, Brian, uh, Dr. Brian uh, Sikowski, uh, Chair of Teachers Effectiveness Task Force, uh, and Deborah Bradley from the Principals Association. We'll have a panel discussion on tenure reform and teacher evaluation, so I think you will enjoy that. Uh, that brings us that brings us to the end of another conversation, New Jersey Education. I hope that you all enjoyed today's conversation. As I always say, our kids' education is too important not to talk about. Our next show will be this Friday, October 21st at 11 a.m., and our guest will be Gordon McInnes, uh, former uh, Assistant Commissioner of Education, a former Assemblyman and a former State Senator, and uh, a person very interested in education reform. If you have any issues or a speaker you think would be good in this format, please contact me via email at rpinney, P-I-N-N-E-Y, at njsba.org, and thank you for tuning in.